Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church, remember, chapter 1 of Genesis, if you recall, gave us a wide-angle view of creation. Okay? It's like God stepped back and he gave us this wide-angle view. Elohim, we learned, created the world in six days, and then we realized that on the seventh day he rested. And so we looked at all of that. God blessed the seventh day. He sanctified it. Then we went to chapter 2, and God did something amazing. He brought us up close and personal. He tells us that he created man out of the dust of the ground, breathed life into him, which was real important. Man became a living being. God also then created a garden, right, for man to live in it. You guys remember the name? It was the Garden of Eden. It means delight. I think it was like the most awesomest place you could be, right? I mean, perfect weather, right? You had this mist, this canopy that made everything so green without being all humid. I don't think you were like, oh, it's so humid, Lord. What are we doing? It was just delight. It was amazing. God created this wonderful, wonderful paradise. He gave man one command, right? He said, "Out of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of good of knowledge, the, the tree of the good of knowledge of tree, ah, the tree of good of knowledge you shall not eat from it. Right? For the day you eat it, you shall surely die. That was the only command. And of course, the last two weeks we've spent some time, and we discovered that they didn't listen." Right? Chapter 3, we see man's fall, sin enters the world, and it fractures everything. It fractures everything. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, he tells us, therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world, now who would that be? That would be Adam, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Okay, let me read that again. Therefore, Just as through one man sin entered the world, we saw that man fell two weeks ago. Death through sin, okay? If you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. Well, death then entered, and death spread to all men because all sin. Now, here's what we've learned. Through Adam, sin entered the world, okay? Fractures everything. We're going to see this in a little bit. Fractures everything. Fractured me, fractured you, fractured creation. It just messed up everything. Sin stinks. Sin stinks. It just, it really does. Guys, it hurts my heart to see sin destroy a life of somebody. It's, it just, it just, it is. It, it, it just gets their, your, the claws in you and it just holds you and it squeezes the life out of you. Sin stinks, and we know that it fractured everything. We see through Adam that death entered the world through sin. We see that. And through Adam, we see that death spread to all mankind. And, of course, that means you and me, okay? Now, we did a study a few years back on in the whole book of Romans. But this particular part, if you're taking note, you might want to jot this down. I just want to jog your memory for just a moment. This is known as, okay, Federal headship, federal headship. You go, okay, whoa, what is that exactly? Well, again, federal headship is this. The actions of one person affects on everyone who was born thereafter. Okay, that's what Paul just said. Paul said through one man, and then everybody who was born after Adam, that's us, 
is sinner, is, a, is sin. You go, okay, that's federal headship. You go, again, let me, just, let, me just, let me just put this out here. The actions of one person affects on everyone who was born thereafter. Let me give you an example real quick, okay? It was March 30th, 2003, President George Bush declared war on Iraq. When he did that, we as Americans were then at war with Iraq. Do you guys remember that, 2003? Now, we may have agreed with it, or we have said, no, I don't agree with being at war. But nonetheless, here's the point. On March 20th, 2003, we were at war with Iraq. Now, here's where it gets good. Everyone born after March 20th, 2003 in America automatically became at war with Iraq. Okay? You go, what do you mean? Why? How? Because federal headship says the actions of one person at the time that was our president, it affects everyone. Everyone under that person and everyone who was born thereafter. So under the federal headship, guys, we see that one man, one man's decision affected all those it represents. Now, for you and I, we read it in Genesis chapter 3. We saw that Eve was there, whether she was standing by the tree or she was walking with this guy or her and Adam were talking about. Nonetheless, because they sinned, it fractured us. We need to grasp that. Okay, we need to grasp it. Listen to the way I put it here. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, eternal federal headship, sin entered the world through death and sin, and thus spread to all men. In other words, we were born, we were all born after Adam. Thus, help me church, we've all sinned. We're all sinners because of Adam. That's how we came out. Okay? We came out that way. Now, you might be saying, well, Ben, Ben, hold up. I'm not under the federal headship of Adam. I had no choice. I didn't want to do anything. But because, well, but but listen, you have to grasp this, okay? Because you might say, I'm not under his federal headship. No, but listen, federal headship of Adam is the basis, guys, which we can all be saved under the federal headship of Jesus, in other words, when you understand, oh, boink, I get it. I, I see. When Adam sinned, that made me a sinner. But when Christ came, I can be saved. I can be saved. And so when we understand that, it makes a lot more sense. Because all were condemned by one, Brother Adam, we must be saved by one, Jesus. And this is why Jesus said to us, if we were, now, now listen, this is going to make sense to you. Listen, if we were born, right, after Adam, that's why Jesus says that you must be born again under the federal headship of Jesus, right? That's where belief comes in. It's that whole thing in your heart where you go, oh, I get it. I get it. I understand something changed in my life. Oh, my, my heart has been transformed. Guys, we have to be so careful. This isn't in my notes, but we have to be so careful that we don't just walk forward and pray a prayer and think everything is hunky-dory. Salvation is a work of God's Holy Spirit, and it's evident in our lives based upon the fruit we produce. A lot of people will come, and they'll stand right here, right here, and they'll cry, and they'll say, Brother, I prayed that prayer, and they'll walk out, and nothing will change in their life. 
And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of times under the emotional stress of life, they'll say, I've got to do something. I've tried this. I've tried this. I've tried. I'll try Jesus. And they'll come, but it really isn't a, a, a bona fide, heartfelt, I need God. And they'll go back. Now, they might, they might modify their behavior for just a moment. They might be like, I'm a Christian. I hang out with Christians. But eventually, guys, the, the federal headship of Adam rears its ugly head. And so we have to be so careful. We have to be so careful. We have to say, okay, what, Lord, what, what fruit am I producing? Now, here's what we need to know. When Adam and Eve sinned back in this day right here, it, it fractured our lives. Okay? It fractured our lives. In Romans chapter 8, verses 20 and 21, it said it fractured all this. Notice what it says. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but it says, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. So creation went, what? But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will, be, when, when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. What's happening is even our creation is starting to decay, even the world as we know it. The world as we know it. It fractured everything. It fractured everything. So man fell. And we're super bummed until we realize that Jesus saved us, and so we're super happy at that point. Now I'm under the federal headship of Jesus. Why is that important? Because, I, because being under the federal headship, I didn't have to do anything but be born again. You guys with me? I didn't have to work for it. I didn't have to be super religious. I didn't have to you know, give to a certain charity. I didn't have to. All I had to do is understand, oh, I need to be born Again, I believe. I get it. I get it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, back in Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, at the beginning of the book, of course, we saw man's fall, right? In the middle of the book, we, we learned last week about man's curse or how man is cursed. You go, what do you mean? Well, remember, remember he, you guys know the whole story. You were here last week. He puts the blame blame game. We'll look at that in just a second. But this is what he says to Eve. He says in Genesis 3.16, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband that he should rule over you. Okay, what was, what was Eve's curse? Eve's curse was pain and childbirth, right? And sorrow and, 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 and children and also a desire to rule her husband. Why? Because the word implies a desire to control or a desire to conquer. In other words, what happened at this point, guys, is the power struggle began. The power struggle you find in marriage began right here when all of a sudden. Now, after church last week, someone came up to me and goes, well, does that still happen? And I said, that is still in you. That power, women, is still in you to struggle and to be the rule the roost and be the boss and that's why we have to come under the power of Jesus Christ to walk and be submissive to your husband in the marriage covenant. It takes work because there are times when your husband, I don't know what he's doing, and women go, I'll take care of this. I'll let, we are going to do this. And, and it's like, no, you've got to let him because, again, you're submitting yourself to Christ first. You're coming, you're saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this under you. I don't want to be that one. That, that's the power struggle. That's the power struggle. 
So we see that the power struggle has begun. To the man, his curse was in verse 17. Then the man, then uh, to Adam, God said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. Now, let's stop right there. I think there are great times when we need to listen to our wives. Abraham listened to his wife. I think it's important. I think it's important you communicate. We listen. We don't want guys to go, listen, I'm the captain of this ship. I am the king of my castle. I'll do what I want to do. You need to listen because God gave her to you as a helpmate. And you need to listen. But this time, Adam shouldn't have listened. This is the one time, why? because God goes, dude, seriously? Because you heeded the voice of your wife and you've eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. So Adam's curse, guys, was what was he had to tend the garden, right? I mean, I mean, he 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 didn't he was tending the garden, and then because he's fallen, right? He says, now in toiling and tilling, you're gonna you're gonna tend another garden, but it's not gonna be that easy. You're gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be hard on you. You can come home sweating, and that still happens today. I bet if I asked my brother Stephen if he sweat today, would you say yeah? And that's the curse. <laughs> Right there, he worked hard, and that's part of it. He's like, ah, I've got to do this, this manual labor and things and so forth. And that's part of it right here, guys. See, this is what disobedience looks like to God. He says the ground is cursed. It's not going to be easy to work. That's probably where we get weeds from. You know what I mean? Weeds. You never have to work weeds, do you? I mean, you, golly, you, you try to... I just mow over the weeds. They look like grass, so I just mow over the weeds. But, but you know, you try to kill those weeds, and they come right back up. And they, they grow faster than grass. It, it just looks like rain, and you got weeds growing. Hello? I mean, it's just like, and you're just, yeah, and you're cutting. Now, if you grew up in, in the 80s like I did, or actually before that, in the 70s, well, I used to go around, and uh, I just completely told you how old I was. But anyways... I'd go and ask and I'd knock the door, hey, I'd like to make some extra money. Can I pull your weeds? And and sometimes the weeds were this tall. And of course, we'd avoid those houses because that was a lot of work. But we'd try to get right. And so you'd be out there and you'd get a hoe and maybe a shovel. And, and you'd be sitting there and you'd be looking at the guy. He's hopefully feeling sorry for you, you know. But you would clean up his whole yard and then he'd pay you five or six bucks. But it was weeds. It was It was not fun. The Bible says, Adam, listen, in toil, guess what that means? In pain, in labor, in hardship, in sorrow. That's what you're going to do. And of course, he says, now, let me just, uh, let me just add to this, Adam. The final curse is that, um, well, you came from dust, and when you die, you're going to go back to dust. You're going to go back to dust. And so we've seen what? We've seen man's fall. We've seen man's curse. And of course, then now we're going to see man's redemption, man's redemption, okay? In verses 20 through 24, we discover, check this out, all the elements of salvation for man's redemption, okay? It's such a beautiful passage. If you're taking note, you can jot these down somewhere. I think it's important. You can jot, number one, we're going to see atonement. We're going to see atonement in there. 
Okay, I'm not planning on pulling it out, exegetically pulling it all out because we don't have time, but you'll see atonement. You'll also see uh, security in there. Atonement and security will be all of God's part. And the other element we'll see is we'll see faith, faith, and then we'll see hope. So we'll have atonement, security, faith, and hope. Hope and faith are going to come from man's part, but atonement and security are all of God's found in this scripture, and that's why I chose this title. Do you see what I see, right? Do you see it in there? It's Jesus, man. It's just the, it's just the salvation right off the bat. Not, it, it hadn't, it just happened. Adam and Eve sinned. I mean, here's the verses. Here's God looking for them. And then he's like, okay, redemption. Redemption. And so it's such a beautiful Beautiful picture, a wonderful glimpse we see of Jesus Christ. So right after man fell, everybody with me? The redemption process had begun. You go, well, okay, Ben, stop, stop right there. Redemption, what what does that mean? Well, here's what I looked up, right? It's just amazing. A, A redemption means to free someone from bondage. And it often involves paying a ransom or a price that makes redemption possible. See, the Israelites were redeemed, if you will, from Egypt. They, we are redeemed from the power of sin and the curse of the law we see through Galatians, through Jesus. And we were bought with a price. So we can see all of this starting to happen right now. Of course, it reminded me of a story that I found very interesting. It's a story of a fellow by the name of Winston Churchill. Some of you might know him. And the story goes like this. A wealthy English family once invited friends to spend some time at their beautiful estate. The happy gathering was almost plunged into terrible tragedy on the first day. When the children went swimming, one of them got into deep water and was drowning. Fortunately, the gardener heard the other screaming and plunged into the pond to rescue the helpless victim. The youngster was Winston Churchill. His parents were deeply grateful to the gardener and asked what they could do to reward him. He hesitated at first and said, you know what you could do? I wish my son could go to college someday and become a doctor. We'll pay his way, replied Churchill's parents. Years, years later, Sir Winston was the prime minister of England and he was stricken with pneumonia. Greatly concerned, the king summoned the best physician who could be found to to the bedside of this ailing leader. The doctor was Sir Alexander Fleming, the developer of penicillin. He was also the son of the gardener who had saved Winston from drowning as a boy. Later, Churchill said, quote, Rarely has one man owed his life twice to the same person. End quote. So that's redemption. It's that, it's, it, it's again, I mean, think about it. Now, for the sake of our study, okay, for the sake of our study, we saw, man, we saw, this is what happens to Eve, this is what happens to Adam. But for the sake of our study, study, let me remind you that verse 15, we left off last week with a preview of the redemption of mankind. So last week we learned what happened to Adam and Eve. Guess what happened? They died spiritually. Everybody got that? Spiritually, they died. And we saw the curse of man. We just talked about that. But now we see how God is going to handle this in eternal perspective. Verse 15. 
He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Okay, verse 15 is just loaded with promises, 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 promises that the Messiah is coming. And the first thing that stands out to us, guys, if you have a new King James Version, you'll say, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between her seed or between your seed and her seed. If you look at your Bible, seed is actually, it's in capital. It's, it's actually presenting that it is Jesus, right? Why? Because women don't have seeds, they have eggs. And so it's, this is the Messiah right off the bat. Okay? Now, remember, this is known to my Bible guys, my, my Bible students, this is the Adamic covenant. Okay? The Adamic covenant is the first promise of a Redeemer. We see it in Scripture. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Well, we understood that the, uh, the Edenic covenant, right? Eden, that was all full of innocence. There they were walking the garden. They were naked. They were like, man, this is great. I love you. Well, let's, let's eat some more food. Don't eat that food. Okay. And it was just all innocent. But then the Edenic covenant, right? They fall in and then we see God's grace. How so? According to verse 15, redemption is secured in the Adamic covenant when God actually cursed the serpent. See, the curses are inescapable, but a great promise of grace and forgiveness was issued. And listen, although these curses are severe and they were inescapable, it was a wonderful promise that was also included in this verse, verse 15. Right? If you're taking note, this is often referred to as the first gospel. The first gospel, you can see it in there. Well, as time does not permit, we need to jump into our text. So as we come to Genesis chapter 3, 20 through 24, God's word does something amazing. Guys, it gives us a preview of what God is going to do through Jesus. Just a little bit of preview. Okay? So with that, let's jump into our text. You guys ready? Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. We look at the word of God and it says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Okay? Verse 20 jumped out at me when I first saw that. You go, why is that, guys? Well, notice with me. Adam called his wife Eve. You go, what's so important about that? Well, if you're taking note, Eve actually means life or mother of living, life or living. And you go, okay, well, okay. What's up? Listen, when I first read this verse, I was like, okay, well, Moses, you know, we'll just say Moses is the author. And he simply put this verse in here to give us the name of Eve. You guys with me? It's like Eve. Everybody say Eve. But then I started to notice something. I started to think of placement. You know, placement, why, why was this put after all that we've read? Why was it placed here? Why would it be all the way here at the end after, after Genesis, you know, chapter one, Genesis chapter two, here's Eve, you, <laughs> right? I, I'm, I'm thinking placement, right? In other words, why did we not learn Eve's name back in chapter two? I mean, it could have been as simple as this, right? And Adam said, now, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. I mean, it would have been that simple. 
hey, listen, this is, I know, this is how it's going to be. Now you go, well, Ben, let me raise my hand. Here's the deal. Probably because at this point, you know, they're going to have kids and they're going to fruit, fruitful and maybe this is why he named her Eve. Possibly, possibly. But here's my thought. My thought is that everything that we've been through in the last two weeks, the whole fall and the whole cursing, I just thought there's some great application if we're gonna if we're gonna look at it in placement. There's some great application. You go, what do you mean? Well, we know that it's verse 20 of chapter 3. Let's just talk placement for just a moment, okay? Adam, although he sinned willfully, here's what I want you to see, here's what I want you to take home, okay? Adam took responsibility for what he did. And he accepted his role in the whole thing. You go, Ben, I don't see that in verse 20. Listen, when Adam got busted, both God confronts Adam and Eve with their sin, right? He says to them, right, back in the garden, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Notice what his first, what was his first response? Should have been, uh, uh, Lord, yes, I am so sorry. Please forgive me, Lord Jesus. I am sorry. I'm, oh, man. Now, you know what his response was? Then the man said to God, the woman you gave me to be with, she gave me the tree and I ate. Let's just blame her. Let's just blame, right? What happened to bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh? No, let's just, it's, it, it's y'all. Lord, it was, see, you see where his heart is at this point, right? God confronts them, he gets busted, and all of a sudden he blames right away. He blames right away. And I think, okay, yeah, cool. We did a whole teaching on that. But in verse 20, I just can't get away from this because I'm thinking placement. See, and after it's all said and done, I love that Adam calls his wife Eve. He says, your name is going to be Eve. Well, we know that Eve means life. You guys tracking with me? You see, Adam took responsibility for what he did. You go, what do you mean? Now, now hear me out, okay? I'm going to stand right here because this is just my opinion. I just want to give you a little nugget of application. But hear me out. Let's just talk placement, okay? I believe that Adam took responsibility for his action, for what he, his role in the whole thing. Why? Because he named, he said, this is Eve. This is Eve. Her name means life. You see, because I put myself in Adam's shoes, let's just say, okay, I got past the whole blame part. If God says, okay, well, here's your wife. What are you going to name her? You know what I, my, I, I was thinking? I was thinking I would have named her Maveth. Maveth. You go, why would you name her Maveth? Because Maveth in Hebrew means death. You see, the woman you gave me, she brought death into the whole thing. Why would she be live? Why would she? That's Maveth. No, 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 no. See, or, or maybe, guys, think about it this. Maybe I would have called her foolish. Why were you talking to a serpent in the first place? Or maybe I would have called her gullible. I mean, come on, let's just call her gullible. Come on, what are you doing over there? What do you, you brought? Adam doesn't do that. Or I think maybe he, I, I might have not called her anything. I might have not called her. I might have just given her the silent treatment. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the woman. She's the woman because she came from men. Okay, Adam doesn't do that. You go, Pastor. What's your point? Here it is, ready? Taking responsibility for our own actions in life. 
I love that he calls her Eve. And he doesn't label her by what she has done or what she had done. He says, this is life. This is life. This is Eve. For she is the mother of all living. I love that about Adam. You go, well, Ben, you're, you're, you're stretching it there. Well, let's just drop some application, okay? First of all, here's the application we can run with. When it comes to our lives, I think it's important that we don't blame others. That we stop blaming others. That's ex- I mean, that's taking responsibility, right? Don't blame, other- don't blame others for what your life is or is not. Take responsibility for your own actions. Take responsibility for your own happiness and joy. That's, I, I, that's the whole thing. Oftentimes, guys, in life, it's like, well, this happened and that happened. I'm blaming my wife, and I'm blaming this, and I blame my parents, and they've pinned my diaper too tight when I was little, and I just, this is why I'm the way I am. And, they'll, and, they, and, and we don't take responsibility. We can say, yes, those things happen to us. I get it. Some of us have lived just a yucky life, but that is the past. Today is a brand new day. And you say, okay, I'm going to take responsibility for me, and I'm going to move forward in this. See, a lot of us don't realize that we can choose happiness, that we can choose happiness, that we can be happy. The enemy comes in and says, you can't be happy because this is what you've been through. This is who you are. And, they be, and, 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 and then the enemy, as well as people, begin to label you. You are, you are damaged goods. You've made bad choices. You don't amount to anything. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Adam looks and says, I know. I'm talking placement, right? I'm talking placement. Adam goes, that's still Eve. That's still Eve. That's, that's the mother of all living. That's the mother. And I just, I, I just think, wow, that's a, that, I just feel like that. When it comes to our lives, guys, I don't want to blame others. I want to say, God, what, what, what's my part in this? Help me to grow. Help me to grow. Well, Pastor, you, your, life is, is, your life is kind of strange, right? You grew up without a mom. That's right. But I, I grew up without a mom. My mom died when I was 18 months, so I grew up with a single dead home. But I am today what I am because of what God has done in my life. And I want to take that responsibility. Well, you have insecurities because, because all the women in your life have left you. You have, you have these... But I want to take, okay, yes, you're right. I have, that, I have that in my heart. Okay, so Lord, help me to deal with this so that I can grow. I'm going to take responsibility for the things that I can do and I can't do. Okay, that's the first thing. You go, what's the second thing? Guys, when it comes to our mistakes in life, anybody make mistake in life? That's just what they are. They're just mistakes. They're mess-ups. And I'm thinking, guys, the application, make sure we don't label ourselves by our mistakes and live in the light of our bad decisions. Guys, think about it. If you... If you can, in the process, and you can forgive others, and then you can live with others as God sees them and not as any, and not as any other thing. 
What do you mean? When we come to the realization that I made mistakes in life, then I realize that other people have made mistakes in life. And when I begin to forgive others, at least the process of it, start saying, okay, I'm going to square with those ones. I'm going to try to square with those that had hurt me. I'm going to try to square with those. Then what happens is I get to see other people the way Jesus sees other people. He sees them redeemed and forgiven. But what if they still make mistakes? What if they continue to make mistakes? I want to choose, I want to choose this side of grace. I want to love people to the point where, where they see Christ in me and others. Guys, this is great application for us because everyone else out there is going to look at you and they're going to label you right off the bat. They don't know you and they're going to label you. And in their minds, they've already created a story about your life. And that's not who you are. You're not discounted Christians. You're not dented can Christians. You are, well, we've learned it. You are made in the image of God. And you're simply sinners saved by grace. You made some mistakes? Yeah, I made some mistakes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you don't see my mistakes, but you see your son. You see your son. My opinion, verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now, again, you guys see that in verse 21? Look at that. It says, God made tunics of skin. I want to unpack this verse for you real quick. Okay? God sees man's foolish attempt to cover himself up with fig leaves. Okay? Once you take the fig leaf off the, off the vine, you put them anywhere, they begin to dry up. And they don't, they don't cover very well. Okay? So what God does is he sacrifices an animal to provide a temporary covering. You go, why? Remember, tunics, the tunics wore out through normal wear and tear. I mean, they were not, they were not supernatural like, like the Hebrew shoes when they were in the desert. These things, I mean... So, so they were made to what? To be temporary. Everybody say temporary. So you understand this. Because if you look up the word made, okay, and God made, it's the word asa, and it also means to make or to uh, taught to make. So what God did is not only he sacrificed this animal, he made the tunic. Now, some people think it's a lamb. Wouldn't that be cool if it was sheep or a lamb? Because later on, John the Baptist is going, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. So if it, I mean, it doesn't say what it was, but then he says, okay, now I'm going to teach you how to make this because this is only temporary. It's eventually going to wear off. It's eventually going to wear off. Okay? So here, guys, we see a wonderful picture of Christ who will become our righteousness. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1.30, God has united, has united you with Jesus Christ. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom himself. God made us right with God. He made us pure, holy, and he set us free from sin. He clothed us with his righteousness. Number two, God made tunics of skin. And what did he do with it? He clothed them. He clothed them. You go, why did God do this, Pastor. Because listen, he provided a garment, God provided a garment that Adam and Eve would be able to be co into God's presence once again. 
And I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? And so I'm going, do you see what I see? You go, why? Because in Revelation 19.8, it says this, and she was given, speaking of the church, a bridal gown of bright and shining linen. The linen is the righteousness of the saints. I thought, wow. Let me give you a couple more examples, guys. Jot this down. Clothed with righteousness of Christ. Isaiah 61.10 says this. Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Job 29 and 14 says this, I put on righteousness, it has clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. So again, think about this, guys. Garments in the Bible are often a picture of salvation. A picture of salvation. So God says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take an animal. Fig leaves aren't going to cut it, okay? Oftentimes, people today will still try to cover their relationship with God with fig leaves. You go, what are fig leaves? They're like their works. They're trying to be religious. They're trying to be super spiritual. They're trying to do all these things and, and finding good graces with God. They want to give money or they'll, they'll help an old lady across the street. Oh, let me help you. These are my good works. And they're fig leaves. They dry up. What we need is we need to be clothed with the righteousness of God. That's salvation. Salvation is, it's not behavior modification. It's not you going, okay, I need to change my behavior. It's you going, Jesus, come in my heart, change me. I'll let you do the work. And then you begin to walk in a relationship with God. And then he begins to change you. And you're like, oh, okay. So then you do works as a result of what? Your relationship with God. It's like, well, salvation sounds easy. It is when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and walk from that point. Now, this would at this point be from God, right? You, do you see atonement and security? Both elements are found in the salvation of Jesus. Okay, atonement and security. Why? Well, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness in God. So we see atonement and security. That's what God did. God did this. Adam, Eve, come here. Put these on. What are these, Lord? These are your temporary coverings. Why? Because there's a difference between atonement, right? Atonement means to cover... Atonement means to cover, but Jesus is going to what? He's going to take away the sins of the world. We also see faith and hope from man, right? Because in, in order to be in God's presence, once again, man had to accept the tunic of skin. He had to have faith and hope in God. And of course, the sacrifice that was made. And, and I just was got, I was just thinking throughout that. I was wondering, I was like, you know, it doesn't say... But I wonder if they're like if Adam and Eve ever knew death. I mean, because this was the first death. This was an animal who was alive, and now because of their sin, had to die. And I don't know if Adam and Eve got it or they understood, but I knew they had to receive it. Why? Well, again, the writer of Hebrews tells us, guys, in the New Testament, Hebrews what nine twenty two, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So we see, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. And then we come to verse 22 through 24. It says, And the Lord God said, Behold, 
But man has become like one of us. Do you guys see that? Beautiful picture of the Trinity once again, right? Elohim, one, and the Lord God, personal, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he be put out, put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. And so he drove out the man and he placed a cherubim in the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword and turned, which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Okay, so here we go. Guys, listen what he just said. These verses speak of both punishment. How so? Man, they're in the paradise and God says, now you got to go. You got to go because your problem is, is that you'll go over and you'll eat from the tree of life. You go, what's wrong with that? Why wouldn't they want to eat? Well, here's why. Because if he allowed them to eat from the tree of life, guys, they would live forever under the state of death and being alienated from God. In the sinful state without regeneration, that's how they would live. God's going, no, 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 listen, I know you think it's a punishment, but it's actually mercy because I would not do that to you. Now, here's what, we need to, here's what we need to reel it in, okay? We need to reel it in because sometimes, guys, death is super hard, especially death of loved ones. That is really hard, okay? And we know the sting of death, right? The sting of death is for all of us that are left here. But the problem, in the, or not the problem, but the, the wonderful grace of God is that death of this body is God's grace so that we are not made to live forever with sickness and disease and, and the body breaking down, okay? The body breaking down. So, so at, at 19, you're like, hey, I can do anything. Watch me climb this ladder and, and jump off 20 feet, right? At 60, your body says, we ain't doing this. You say, watch me, watch me fall off this step. You know, I just got to be careful. I mean, it, you got to be careful because your body starts. And of course, the older you get, the point is your body's breaking down. And if you were to eat of the tree of life, he's saying, listen, what do you, how, you just, this is going to be miserable. Miserable. It's God's grace. And so we need to look at death, guys, for the believer as God's grace. Although we hate it, Although we go, I wish it would never happen because we miss our loved ones. The hope in Jesus is that, okay, I'm going to say goodbye for him here, but I know I'm going to see him again, see her again in heaven. See her again in heaven. So let's close our Bible study with two points, guys. Two points based upon our verses. We're closing and then Josh is going to lead us in some worship. It's going to be awesome. Number one, point number one. Okay, don't put your Bibles away. I just want you to hear point number one. Back in the first part of Genesis, a snake possessed by Satan, what does she do? He, she tells Eve. The snake was the most cunning animal that the Lord God had made. And the snake asked the woman, did God really say that you should not eat of the fruit from the garden? And of course, the, the woman answered, uh, except for the tree in the middle, God said not to eat of the fruit of the tree or even touch it. If we do, we'll die. And the snake replied, that's not true. You'll not die. God said that because he knows that when you eat it, you'll be like God to know good and evil and what is bad. Here's the point, guys. 
Here's what I want you to write down here. Point number one, Satan, Satan lied to Eve. And he filled her with empty promises. And his strategy today has not gone unchanged. Even today, he tries to fill our minds and our hearts with empty promises. Right? Did God really say that to you? Did, did God really say? Or he'll come to you and he'll say, hey, listen, I know, I know the word of God isn't true. I know that Bible's not true. It's written by men. Don't believe it. It's not true. Live your life. Satan will come to you and say, YOLO, live your life. You only live once. Go for it, man. But he'll try to deceive us with empty promises, guys. Or he'll tell you this, God's holding out on you. God's holding out on you. You should be out there with your friends, living the view. God's holding out this Christianity thing. Or he'll often tempt you and say, if you do this, it'll be amazing. You'll never forget it. It'll be amazing. Or maybe he says to you, in the cunning and craftiness of his mind, he'd say, listen, you deserve a break. You deserve a break. Go do that. Go ahead. Everybody's doing it. Everybody, or he'll throw culture at you, won't you? Hey, culture's changed. Listen, Christianity's a lot more loose now. Go for it, man. Have a blast. Indulge. Guys, these are empty promises. These are empty promises that he tries. He's, his tactics haven't changed. He said the same thing. So you need to step back and say, okay, what, what am I listening to? First of all, I understand he's the father of lies, so he's a liar. But he, he wants to fill me with empty promises. What are they? And I'm not buying it. I want the promises of God. I want the promises of God. Number two. Number two. One day, guys, you'll finish well, well, we'll be able to partake in the tree of life. You see, it's over in Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 3. It says, and he showered me, oh, he showed me a pure river of water of life. So not only is there going to be a tree of life, but there's going to be a river of, of life. Clear and crystal, proceeding from the throne of God. And of the Lamb, in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was a tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and its servants shall serve him. Of course, we'll talk more on that next week, but... Think about this. One day, one day, we'll be able to partake from the tree of life. And not be under the curse. Let me just say this to you guys and those listening by podcast. God went to great lengths to save us. And we fight it all the time. God went to great lengths to sanctify us, lay down his life. And listen, when, when Adam took and sin fractured everything, we thought it was finished, but it was Jesus on the cross 
who looked out and said, it is finished. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything. All we have to do is believe. If we put our faith and trust in God and our Savior. Pastor, I still make mistakes. Amen. Welcome to the club. We're all going to make mistakes. Now, here's what progressive sanctification looks like. Every day you, you make a little bit less mistakes than you did two years ago, and you make a little bit less mistakes, and you're starting to see, you're starting to gain wisdom. And maybe by the time we're 120, we're not making the same mistakes. But we're growing. We're growing. And you can feel that in your heart. You're like, amen, I can do that, I can do that. Let me just say this to you. Jesus loves you so much. He loves you. And he wants to walk with you and talk with you and he wants to put his loving arms around you and tell you it's going to be okay. And he wants you to know that, that this life today, it's not all there is. And he's got a beautiful future for you. But just stay close to him. Stay close to him. Father, thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. Thank you, God. We love you so much. Lord, the world sees us. Our friends sees us. People judge us. People label us, Lord, without even knowing. Help me to live my life, God. Not to worry about that stuff, but to honor you and respect you and to, and to represent you well. Love you, Lord. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.